I don't know what the crap you just said. <laughs> but okay. You're weird sometimes. Thanks. You're weird sometimes. Is that better? Like if I say it more enthusiastically? <laughs> Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on March 22nd, we'll be talking about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, aka Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, for all you lovely people and countries the publishers deemed more intelligent than the United States. <laughs> Mo and I decided that we wanted to do a reread of the series this year and see what we thought of it now that we are supposedly older and wiser. Then, on March 29th, we will be talking about all the pros and cons of different reading formats. Are physical books better than audiobooks? Do paperback books make better weapons than ebooks? Join us to find out all our opinions. Finally, two quick announcements before we move on. With our one year anniversary coming up in April, Mo and I are hosting a series of giveaways on Instagram. This week, we're giving away gently used versions of Uprooted and Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, along with a the Book Life Podcast mug and bookmark. If you'd like to enter this giveaway, head on over to our Instagram and follow the instructions on the post you'll find there. Or check out our Facebook post about it for a direct link to the post. Secondly, since we're coming up on one year of podcasting now, woohoo! we're also starting a Patreon. The Patreon will launch April 12th, and we're incredibly excited to share all the cool perks we've been planning. Some of these perks include episode shoutouts, a monthly book-picking poll for a guaranteed episode, a spoiler-free mini-series and bonus content, and even having us send you a book we're planning to do an episode on. We hope you'll consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening to us every week. Thank you. Now, on with the show! Welcome back to the Book Live Podcast with your hosts, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Today, we have a special guest, Bethany, from the Prince Kai Fan Podcast. We are so excited to have her on while we talk about Marissa Meyer's new book, Instacarma. Bethany, do you want to give us a quick introduction? Hi. So I'm Bethany. I'm the host of Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast. Every week, I discuss... Each Marissa Meyer book, chapter by chapter, with a different guest. We are currently covering uh, Crest, which is book three in the Lunar Chronicles series. Well, we are so glad to have you here. Thank you for joining us on Thank you. like a not normal day on a Saturday morning. So, so <laughs> I see we have some fun facts from Abby. But, um, Bethany, do you want to tell us one of your favorite fun facts about Marissa Meyer that you know, that we probably don't know? <laughs> Uh, so one of my favorite fun facts is that um, a good majority of her books are NaNoWriMo books, which if you don't know, NaNoWriMo is National Writing Month. It's in November. It's a challenge from November 1st to the end of November to write 50,000 words, which means six of the 13 books written by Marissa Meyer were written in one month. Okay. <laughs> I was like... Remember we were talking about like Taylor Swift putting out three albums during a pandemic? Marissa is like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write a book in a month. <laughs> I mean, I've done NaNoWriMo a few times, and I have yet to be successful to get 50,000 words. Top <laughs> I, I have finished NaNoWriMo once, and that was before I had kids, so I have no hope now. <laughs> My mind is just blown. That is so cool. I mean, I, mm -hmm. if you all don't know what NaNoWriMo is, you really should check it out, especially if you want to push yourself as a writer. It is an excellent exercise for time management and stressing yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> all right i love this fun fact abby that you gave like i kind of got these vibes from the book but marissa meyer is a star wars fan and the relationship between han solo and princess leia is what inspired quint and prudent i can't say that word relationship i love it i didn't catch like that, that one i did not catch that until you put that and i'm like well because he kept talking about ewoks and like D D, and i was like wait a second i'm feeling i'm feeling some nerd <laughs> vibes happen here I know you'll like the next fun fact, too. I do. Marissa Meyer used to also write Sailor Moon fan fiction, and that makes my... Mm, I love that. I have Sailor Moon manga right behind me. Like, I have the old-school pocket, like, Sailor Moon manga that's, like, so hard to find. I'm still trying to collect all of it. I love it. And lastly, Instant Karma was published November 3rd, 2020, and Marissa Meyer already has a new book coming out called Gilded, set to release the 2nd of November this year. So excited. I am... Um, 
Abby, you sent me that premise yesterday? Yes, and I already pre-ordered it. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Jumped on that one. That's one of those, like, I saw the cover (laughs) and went, she has a new book out? Where can I pre-order? Hang on. Okay. It's what I do. If y'all need to pre-order a new book, apparently, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) Abby, do you want to throw us a summary of Instacarma for our listeners? Sure thing. Prudence Barnett is as type A as they get. Too bad for her she's stuck with the lazy and uncaring Quint Erickson for a lab partner. But when Prudence ends up with a GPA ruining grade on their final project, she's forced to take desperate measures and strike a bargain with her lazy lab partner to redo the project with her. Luckily for her, an accidental hit to the head leaves her with the power to bring down instant karma on people. Looks like Quint Erickson is going to be getting what's coming to him. <laughs> so I feel like that summary completely led me like this book is so much more than that summary. It's a good summary, but I feel like it's like that's such a surface level summary and this book was actually a lot deeper than I anticipated. I agree. There was a lot to this book and I really enjoyed it. I would also say that like with that summary, you're missing some of the key elements of even why the name is what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because like if you just read that, you're like why is it called instant karma? Mhm. Well, and the thing about summaries is, like, how much of this book are you going to give away? Mm Because, like, I always try so hard not to spoil things, but it's also like, oh, there's so much more to this. But how do I wrap it up in a few sentences? Yeah, that's true. It's very difficult to do that. I usually go by, like, I'm a librarian, so I have a little bit of training when it comes to stuff like that. So I usually go by, like, the the rule of five, which is, like, you try to name five things that are core to the plot that don't give away too much detail. So you want to say who the main character is and who their supporting characters are. Then you want to say, like, what the plot like what's driving the plot forward, what is the catalyst. And then you also want to make sure you give away like a little bit about the setting and the tone of the book. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to take notes from you. I was like, how interesting. (laughs) I was like, I was like, okay, I'm like, Abby got three out of five for sure. Ooh, I think, I think there's some tone to it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think there's a lot, like the main thing I would say that is missing is just the just that little piece about the, the, that ties it back to the title, you know? Yep. That's true. I couldn't figure out how to tie that in nicely, mm-hmm. but that's on I me. I probably should have gone something closer to what they have on Goodreads. <laughs> well, also like after reading this book, I'm not entirely convinced she did have the power of instant karma. I think she thought she had the power. And so a lot of situations kind of lined up with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I got that vibe a little bit, too. Like, there were some circumstances I was just like, I don't feel like that required the power in order for that to happen, you know? Right. And that's, like, one of the greatest things about magical realism and probably one of the most difficult instances of trying to write magical realism, especially in a contemporary world, is I think that it's difficult to as the reader to be able to say, is it magic or is it not? But that's actually what makes magical realism so interesting to read. Definitely. Like, apparently I like to live in the land of disbelief and magic because I'm like, no, instant karma was real. She had the magic. I'm going with that. She had it, so I'm going to humbly disagree with you too. I'm like, no, magic is real, guys. Don't take away my magic. <laughs> There's also like a lot of stressful things that she does with that instant karma power that um, just really stress me out. <laughs> And, like, there's definitely a lot of moments, like, I've, I've said before that I think Prudence is the most problematic and frustrating main character that we all 100% relate to. Like, we don't want to admit it, but we all relate to Prudence. Because, like, maybe we're not as openly judgmental, but we all think things in our head. And so it's, like, really easy to relate to Prudence because she feels like such a genuine and authentic character. But that doesn't make her any less frustrating. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, when we get deeper into it, I was like, Prudence is me with a lot more type A personality. Like, (laughs) I'm I'm pretty, like, I'm borderline type A. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm like, Prudence is me. And I'm like, oh, honey, you're actually a little too intense. Calm down. Like, ooh. Yeah. But, like, that binder feel, I'm like, oh, I love making a binder, making a plan. Yes. I'm like, what else do you have for me, girl? 
I won't take, lie. Yeah. Taking control of the project? <laughs> yes. No. I, Same. I definitely saw a lot of my husband in Prudence because he's very type A. <laughs> and so I guess I'd be Quint in this scenario, but... um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of like a mix between the two. Like I'm a type A for sure. I'm I'm taking six grad classes. I have a part time job. I'm I host a weekly podcast. I'm writing a book. Like I have I always have a lot going on. Uh, I did my entire bachelor's degree in five semesters with a 4.0, and (laughs) I know it was exhausting. I'm so tired. So, like, I'm definitely a type A in terms of things like that. But otherwise, I'm super chill. (laughs) And then, like, I love animals. I'm a big animal lover, and I've always been big on, like, volunteering at animal shelters and providing that back to the community. I have two rescue dogs of my own. And so that part of Quinn's personality, I, like, 100% relate to because that moment when Prudence is like, I'm not an animal person, I'm like, "Mm, I can't trust you now. (laughs) Everybody's an animal person. Like, anyone who says they're not an animal person, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if we can be friends because I... (laughs) I talk to my dogs like they're people, so. Well, it's kind of like people who say they aren't readers. I fully believe you just haven't found the right book. So if you say you're not an animal person, you just haven't found the right animal. And to which I say, come meet my dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since we kind of jumped into the characters, Abby, how about you list out who our current characters are that we're talking about? Will do. So our main character is Prudence Prue Barnett. She's a super type A personality with a lot of ambition, and she really just wants things done her way. (laughs) Quint Erickson, as far as Prue can tell, is a slacker with zero promise, and she has no idea of anything else about him. Jude Barnett is Prue's twin brother, and he's basically a giant nerd, which I feel him. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Who is somehow popular. Sorry, what high school did he go to? I want to know, too. <laughs> right? I, I, I think a lot of it, too, is that he's, like, every time Prue talks about him, like, he's always so nice and kind, and people just gravitate towards him. I'm like, oh, I feel him. Like, that's that's how people describe me. I'm I'm from Purdy. I mean, Abby, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. But people gravitate towards me. So, like, I feel Jude. Like, I just, I, just, I just collect people. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I have all these people. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely say you're like Jude in that way for sure. Oh, for sure. All right, so we also have Mr. Chavez. So Mr. Chavez is Prudence's teacher who stuck her with Quint for a lab partner, and he's the one who gave them the bad grade on their final project that freaks Prue out and causes everything for this. Some of their classmates are Maya Livingston, who is the popular girl, and Ezra Kent, who is Jude's best friend. Our Sally, Ari Escalante, Prudence's best friend, a music fanatic with talent who also attends the local private high school for the music program. There's also Morgan, who is a social justice warrior who works at the rescue center as friends with Quint. There's also Prue and Jude's siblings. There's Lucy, who's 13 years old. She's popular. She's a sports player. No interest in music. All interest in all things sports. There's Penny, a nine-year-old who actually loves music, like her family, and plays bad violin. And she's a lover of pop, R&B, and alternative. And there's also Ellie, the four-year-old, the youngest, who has a really cute shirt that I still remember with the sequence that she kept playing with, with the monkey on it, right? Yeah. Yep. She's so cute. And there's also Rosa Erickson, which is Quint's mom, the owner of the Fortuna Beach Rescue Center, and also Shauna, the office manager at the Fortuna Beach Rescue Center. And that's pretty much the whole cast that we have of instant karma oh i forgot to write in their parents whoops and oh that's okay parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a ya book the parents are pretty um non-existent <laughs> that's yeah, true they show up on the like, fringes right like they exist and good for them <laughs> i would say and this book is told from the point of view of Prue, so it's first person first person present tenth which i think annoyed me a little bit I don't like first-person present tense in books. I'm not used to first-person from Marissa because she never does first-person ever. So that's the part that was, like, difficult for me is because, like, with first-person, the word I, the word me, the word myself, it's like, but it's not me and I don't want it to be, so... (laughs) I'll be honest, after I've read this book, I came away with the impression that it had been in third-person. 
<laughs> like, I know it wasn't, but that's how it felt. How interesting. So why did you feel that way? I don't know. It's probably because she writes in third person most of the time. And so that's just how I associate her books being. And so, like, looking back through it when I was writing my notes, I was like, dang, this is in first person. I forgot this was in first person. So I definitely have to say I really did enjoy this book. You were right, Abby. And I'm still, like, my favorite is still going to be the Lunar Chronicles series. This was a really great young adult read. I honestly want to recommend this to my Girl Scout troop who are 16-year-olds. I think they would really get a kick out of it. I, lo- I really like this book. Were there any, like, things that you guys didn't like other than... I have, like, one specific scene that kills me. I'm trying to think if there's, like, anything I didn't like specifically about, like, the format or anything. Uh, Obviously, I'm just... I don't like present tense stuff as much. Oh, you don't like like contemporary? No. Is that contemporary? Is that what that is? How interesting. I mean, that's... That's... Maybe I'm wrong. I thought... That's what I thought contemporary was, was, like, present day. Oh, uh, that contemporary. No, I meant like first person present tense. Oh, sorry. I li- yeah. No, I like contemporary. I mean, contemporary is okay. I much prefer to be shoved into the future or shoved into a fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. Abby, shall we take a break and jump into all the good stuff? That the meat and like potatoes. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, it's going to be all spoilers. So join us then. Hi, I'm Bethany Finger, the host of Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast. Join me every week during my read-along journey through all of the books by author Marissa Meyer, one chapter at a time, spoiler-free. Each episode will feature a different guest, new fan art, and laughter and joy through reading. You can find Prince Kai Fan Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other listening platforms. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. And just so you don't forget this, we're going to talk spoilers now. We're going to go deep dive into our favorite characters, least favorite characters, least favorite scenes, favorite scenes, and our final thoughts. So, Bethany, since you're our guest, I would love to know, (laughs) who are your favorite characters? Oh... I mean, like, besides Prudence and Quint, right? Um, I mean, you can, you can pick them. That's okay. We won't be mad about that. Well, I, I love Quint's mom because I, I'm a big animal person. I love volunteering. I've, I've volunteered at many animal shelters over the years, so I stand a woman dedicated to saving the baby animals of the world. I love the brother because, like I said, I think it's crazy that he's, like, this big geek, but he's still popular. I'm like, oh, why didn't I go to that high school? <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I thought all the characters overall were really great. Some of them, you know, they frustrate me a little bit, but I think Jude probably stood out to me the most. I'd love a story about just him. I think he'd be really interesting. I want to read about him as like the D and D as a dungeon master. Yes. And like, and like (laughs) hear one of his like campaigns and like run it with his friends and everything. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh yes. I'm all about Jude. He was one of my favorites too. Okay. Well, Abby, you jump right into your characters then. Okay. I loved what a supportive brother he was. I thought he was a great balance for Prudence's far more uptight personality because <laughs> he was so much more chill. And I'm sure he probably, thanks to Prudence's uptight personality, had to lean into his chill a little bit more. Well, I also it's... really love that about him, though, like that she's so intense that he, and when he's chill, he's like the only person that can handle that around her, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I'm going to be real because I have boy-girl twins, and they're only two and a half, but I would say Will is a lot like Prudence, where Will needs to have things his way and a certain way, and if he doesn't get it, then he, like, spazzes out, and I feel like Prudence probably was like that as a toddler. And then there's Mara, who doesn't really give a shit about what's going on, and that's what she wants, and that's a lot like Jude. So, like, I'm like, I feel like Marissa Meyer really got this whole boy girl twin at least fraternal twin personalities down pretty well from my point of view as a twin mom well she she's a twin mom too she has two twin five-year-old girls and a lot of the dynamic between these two twins she said was influenced by the relationship dynamic that she notices between her own children oh god bless her (laughs) i'm not there yet (laughs) you will be in a few years yeah, well, I got two and a half more years to go to five, so we're fine. 
So what I also then? really enjoyed Prudence as a character. I thought she was a good main character fo- to follow because she was so driven and hardworking. And I mean, she had a few lessons to learn along the way, but that's part of what makes a good story. Mm-hmm. And so just overall, she was very good to follow because granted following a chiller character like Jude would have been interesting, but I feel like the story wouldn't have moved along as quickly, you know? I also feel yeah, like I, with um, with Prudence, she just has such dramatic character development over the course of a summer that, like, by the end of the summer, it's like she's this completely different person. And I think it just shows you how much you can grow as a person. Oh, for sure. Well, especially as a teenager. Like, teenagers, you go through leaps and bounds of personality changes, like, from year to year in those yep. four years <laughs> as well. I would say Prudence, I loved her as a main character. Like I said, beyond her super type A personality and she was not as geeky as me. I mean, I could totally be Prudence. I was like, oh, yep. Like her at go get go get her attitude, that project management, like everything. And then when she started actually like falling in love with the animals, I'm like, see, there you are. Like I'm like, there's your heart. It's right there. See, you you love that sweet little sea lion. I think she was just a great character. I think Jude would have been interesting as a main character, but he didn't have all of those character flaws that Prudence had that made her more robust. And maybe Jude did, but we just don't know about it. But he definitely, I loved him as a supporting character. He was so sweet. And again, I love that he's a boy-girl twin with Prue, just like my twins. So I had some, I just felt that in my heart. And I really, really liked Ari whenever she was featured. I loved her scene on the beach playing the guitar and all these people are like coming around her and everyone's like, who is this person? I'm like, it'd be so awkward, but also it's, it's, it's such a different culture than the Midwest. Then there is no beach. To go right. To <laughs> there is I'm no like, beach. So I'm like beach. You mean cornfield? <laughs> I'm like, we literally would hang out like in the dips in cornfield. What is going on? Like we had tailgates and stuff. Like it's so different for me. Oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, we're all in the Midwest, so one of my closest friends, actually, her grandparents owned a farm. So we'd take tents and go be out on the farm at night. Just like, (laughs) that's what you do. Yeah. I I grew up in a very small farm town of like 6,000 people. And I mean, for us, the beach, it's like a man-made lake where we mostly go fishing and the water's not really all that clean. You probably shouldn't be swimming in it. Like... (laughs) But you but did. You did. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I would say, like, the only quotation beach we could go to is also a larger man-made lake in Illinois. So I, I feel you on the man-made lake. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I really love that scene where she sat on the beach and played her guitar. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to live that life. Right. Instead, I get instead I got a cornfield. Yep. Uh, let's talk about characters we didn't like. Oh, Bethany, were there any characters you did not enjoy? I mean, obviously, like, we don't like Shauna, right? She's the bad guy. <laughs> She's the bad guy. <laughs> Morgan frustrated me because I felt like, and this isn't a jab at Marissa. This is, is just, in general, a statement. But I felt like Morgan was the vegan that everyone hates. And as a vegetarian, I'm like, we are not like that. Please stop furthering that fair- that stereotype. <laughs> Um, she's like, she's just really snobby. Like, I know that she has, I don't know, good intentions, so to speak, and that she's really young. And so maybe, maybe she hasn't, she's a little naive and hasn't lived enough in the world to know how to actually generate change. But she just stresses me out. She frustrates me so much because I'm like, you're ruining this. (laughs) Yeah, she definitely felt to me like that overzealous teenager who thinks they're going to change the world overnight. Yeah. It just, like, needs to chill just a little bit and be told, honey, honey, this this isn't going to do it. Like, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but take a breath. <laughs> Morgan drove me crazy. Like, I, Bethany, I'm so with you at everything you said. I'm just like, I'm like, child, you need to calm down. I'm like, you are, you, if you would gain so much more change and traction if you were just not a giant word to everybody around you exactly it's like there is a way to go about making change and you are just like this is why people don't like people right there like just stop that exactly 
I actually got really upset with Quint and Rosa, especially Quint, when they accused Prue of taking the money. I'm like, you all have been working with her for a month? Like, seriously. I have Um, issues with that scene because Rosa is an adult and a mom. And also, as like a 31-year-old adult in the world, I'm like, Prudence, why did you not call your mom? Like, I don't care. I don't, I'm, I'm 31 now. And if someone accused me of stuff like that, I would, I guarantee you, I would call my mom. Um, I, (laughs) so me, like a 16 year old, I'm like, I can't believe she didn't call her mom. So her mom could like come down there and defend her. Like that just shocks me so much. It it was a weird scene. And just like, I understand Quint, like jumping to that conclusion and being kind of the way he was, but not Rosa like that. I was like, seriously, you know, I was like, okay. I think it was Rosa doesn't know Prudence as well as Quint did. So she relied heavily on Quint's opinion of the situation. And so Quint was so convinced that Rosa was like, well, I mean, I got better vibes from her, but Quint's been going to school with her his whole life. So he knows her better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That whole scene was not good. Just like it left me with bad feelings and not because of prudence like getting into the drama or whatever it just they didn't handle it well the the adult in that situation didn't handle it like adults right. should have well and then and that bothered me because i'm also a 31 year old right adult, i'm so like, I'm like you guys know better <laughs> i'm like oh you i'm not even thinking. a mom and i'm like you should not be handling this situation like this like this is not okay <laughs> well right exactly like i would never get one of my kids friends when they're old enough to have an issue like this, obviously. But I would never be like, oh, yeah, obviously you stole this because my kid says you did. Right. But (laughs) that's not, that's not how that works. I agree. So as someone who's worked in nonprofits in a situation like this, this is something that like really made me twitch. I'm like, you're an executive director. That's $1,200 that went missing. It's like, you need to, do either due diligence like you should have she should have filed a criminal report with the police station like there's all of these things and these steps that should have been done and done correctly you know what i mean and so like that really bothered me because like i would have expected like the police officer been there to take a report it would have been filed i don't know the whole scene to me it it suspended my um you know when you dive into a book and you want everything just you know, soak you in. It it dragged me back out because of my background. I was like, mm, that's not how I would handle that. Right. Well, the thing that bothers me about Rosa in general is that I understand that she was overworked and overstressed and just too busy to handle the finances herself. But if I was constantly not making enough money to continue running my business every year, you can bet I would personally be going back to those books and going with a fine tooth comb over every single yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Like, where can I cut expenditures? Where can I do better in our spending? Just like, how are you not doing that? You're a business owner. That's how you run a business. So that bothered me a little bit about Rosa. Like, I understand her heart was with the animals and the business side was not her big thing, but you still need to make sure that your business can continue to function. Right. I was like, at the end of the day, well, really, and I'm curious, I'm like, well, where was the board? You know, like, where was the president of the board and what were they doing? Because at the end of the day, like, she's the executive director. She's making the decisions on it. She signs off on everything. And not just that, you also have this oversight board that should also be, like, helping do the fundraising, helping doing the community outreach, also helping with financial oversight so like when you're a small nonprofit of maybe four or five people you usually have some a finance committee someone beyond just your bookkeeper also working with you so that you have like a two-person system because money makes people stupid in general i mean um, i'll say like from my own experience the town and country shelter that my husband and i volunteered at in nebraska was non-profit non-for-profit and it had a board And my husband and I volunteered there for a little over two years. And I mean, when we volunteered there, it wasn't like we showed up for an hour once a week. Like we were there all the time and I never met the board, anyone on the board 
And then we lost power because of a tornado and we had to reach out to the community because we ran on well water. So with no power, we had no water. So when you've got, you know, 30 dogs and 20 cats and seven chickens and two horses, like you need water. I mean, horses alone drink like five gallons a day. So we reached out to the community and asked people to come in and people donated water and food and it was wonderful. And we still never heard from the board. We reached out to them. We called them constantly, never heard from them. We hear from the board when we are in trouble or when the board is trying to make themselves look good. Just from my own personal experience. I mean, I'm sure there are boards that are far more involved at both ends. Yes, I agree. And that really just depends on who you have on the board too and how much they actually care about the thing that's going on. Yeah, and there's also like a board agreement a lot of the times, depending on the size of your nonprofit, like what you agree, like when you come on the board, you sign like, yes, I'm going to do this. Yes, I'm going to do that. And it is normal for volunteers, like day-to-day volunteers, not to see the board, but your executive team usually works very closely with the board. But yeah, I mean, so I had problems with just how Rhodes ran her business. Kind of like you said, Abby. Adult problems we are bringing into a YA novel. Well, and I mean, like, it's a YA novel, right? So the adults are supposed to be not necessarily incompetent, but inconsequential, maybe. Because if you had adults in it, there wouldn't be a novel. (laughs) Because, like, again, like I said, if this had happened to me when I was 16, I would have called my mom. There's no way I would let an adult talk to me like that and not go home crying to my mom. So, (laughs) like, that's the main thing that frustrates me is I'm like, Prudence never told a grown-up what happened. Like... (laughs) You need a grown-up. Yeah. I would call a grown-up now. You, you need the adult or yeah. adult. Let's get this done. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so the other character that I also didn't like was Shauna. Mm-hmm. Like, I got bad vibes from her the second she showed up. And I was just like, I don't trust you. And I don't know why. And that bothers me. I was very suspicious of her after the reptile boots that she got. But before that, I was just, like, really annoyed because I was like, why is this person who obviously doesn't care that much about animals here? Mm-hmm. Well, see, like, that's why I got bad vibes from her because she obviously didn't care about the actual business. And so I was just like, I don't get good feelings from you. And then the reptile boots came and I'm like, mm, you're fishing. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Okay. Apparently, I was just like not there because i was like <laughs> oh look she got new boots that's nice do 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 you're like <laughs> sleeping on shauna <laughs> <laughs> and then like when they they're like oh let's google her i'm like why are we googling her and i'm like oh look she came up on google that's not good <laughs> again like, again though i'm like who hired this girl without doing a background check like <laughs> I got hired at a local bookstore and they did a background check and looked at my Facebook profile. Like I'm who did not look up on this girl? Apparently (laughs) like that's my main thing is like, why aren't you like vet your people? Yeah. You You would think, but McDonald's does background checks. Okay. Like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Okay. So let's move on to, I mean, I guess we were talking about least favorite scenes a little bit ago. A little bit, yeah. Do you want to go, you want to keep on the negative and end with the positive and do a positivity sandwich? All right. Let's talk about least favorite scenes then. I love and hate the scene where she's like crying and hugging herself and saying, I'm a good person because I'm like, girl, I've been there. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, this is too real for me. I've had nervous breakdowns and I'm totally feel you right now. And the scene where Morgan falls and breaks her leg and Prue just runs away. I'm like, girl, call an ambulance. What are you doing? This girl does not go to adults at all. Like, that's my main issue with Prudence. Like, okay, yes, she's judgmental and she has a type A personality, but why doesn't she trust adults? Like, <laughs> uh, right, like with Harry Potter, you understand why he doesn't trust adults. Right, but like, she seems to have a pretty stable home environment. Like, why can't she just call her mom or her dad? Like, maybe she's not a mama's girl. I don't know, but like, just call an adult. I, I don't know. I can't with her. <laughs> That's the main thing that stresses me out uncle. is that she doesn't call adults, and I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, well, and that's the thing about when you're like a teenager reading a, a YA book, you're like, obviously she didn't call the adults. Why would she tell the adults? And us as adults were like, why right? Did like, why did you get a grown up? What are you doing? 
I, I would say, honestly, I understand, like, from Prudence's point of view, like, that I was very much a, I, I just didn't call my mom unless, God, I don't ever remember, remember call my mom when I needed an adult when I should have. So I completely sympathize with Prudence with her, let's not call the adult um, attitude. <laughs> that was not me. <laughs> I didn't call the adult ever. The concept of it is just like, I, I feel like there's a process, like a hierarchy in the world. Like even now, if I had an issue at work, I would definitely come home and like complain to my husband, but I'm also going to HR. Like I'm not letting people mm-hmm. treat me certain mm-hmm. ways, but like when I was 16, that wasn't a thing. Like I definitely would have gone to my mom, but I wouldn't necessarily have gone to like human resources or filed a complaint or things like that. And I think it's just how you live in the world. And also maybe Prudence is like, you know, that my parents are always busy with my siblings. So maybe she doesn't have enough of a bond with them that she feels like she can burden them with her struggles. I don't know. I just was like, Mm -hmm. why isn't she calling her parents more? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Well, because she wants to be independent and she's young and she can handle everything. Well, that's true. That's definitely a thought process. But you should <laughs> still call nine one one if you see someone fall from a billboard. Yes, okay, I completely if you, agree. If you don't with that trust one. your parents or adults. Fine. You see someone fall from a billboard, you call nine one one. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's very. And true. please go check on that person. <laughs> You saw them fall from like 30 feet in the air and you just ride your bike home. Not okay, Prudence. Not okay. Oh, she did not take her. She did not take first aid. No, that's just like common courtesy. That's not even like first aid. That's just like, check if that girl's okay. (laughs) We're so mean to Prudence. I'm sorry. But like, seriously, that stresses me out. I feel like. There's just a, a small component missing from Prudence in that area. Well, not just that, but like with Prudence, like she's so has all these great business ideas. She's so savvy. She's a great project manager. And I'm like, go freaking help your parents at their store. Right? Like, they're struggling. <laughs> like it's not it, it's not a parent problem. It's a family problem. Right. Like you got the skills to help them turn around their cute little store. I mean, you know, like. At least that's pointed out to her, but also like, yeah, if you're apparently this great at like marketing and PR and you know your parents' store is struggling, why aren't you doing something? Yeah, that definitely confused me, especially when she finally noticed that they were selling things off. I was like, how did you not connect these dots sooner? Because if you're if you have this skill, aren't you looking as close to home as you can first? to like what is around me that I can use my skills on. Uh, maybe she's just so hyper focused on school and success that she's got a tunnel vision to some of the other problems around her. Yeah. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm definitely thinking she needs to be more observant and have a better perspective on, you know, her home life in general, but I mean, I guess when I was 16, maybe I didn't realize a lot of my parents got divorced when I was 16. And it came as quite a shock to my younger sisters, but like not to me because I could look in my life and see things happening, you know? So maybe it's just a matter of your perception. That's true. Hmm. Yeah. She definitely, she was very tunnel vision for her own projects. And she was just like very self-centered, very prudent centered as well. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I say that, like, she's she's probably the most annoying and yet relatable character because, like, we've all had moments where we're a prudence and we and maybe we don't want to admit it out loud. But, you know, there's moments in your mind where you're like, man, I was too judgmental in that situation or man, I really should have paid more attention to the things going on around me. And I think that's what makes prudence so authentic and genuine. Like, she feels like a real person because she's so incredibly flawed. Yeah, I can get behind that for sure. I do like that, though. Yeah, I didn't really have any other favorites or least favorite scenes. It was more whenever Ezra was in the story, I'm like, go away. <laughs> go away. Not, you're not a big Ezra stan? <laughs> no, especially, like, when he's at the gal and he's like, they're not checking IDs and he's, like, drinking the champagne. I'm like, dude, you're 16. Also, like, like there are 16-year-old boys like that, so at least it's realistic. I know, but I was like, well, you're an idiot. I'm like, yep, I knew kids like that. I knew a cheerleader who came to a football game drunk. Mm. Oh, Oh my God. That that seems like bad life decisions. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, teenagers make some dumb decisions when it comes to drinking. (laughs) 
I mean, I, if we were going to pick the winner of the dumbest character award, it would be right. Ezra. And like he, and he kept hitting on Ari, and I'm like, oh, this is awkward. Just, just stop. Just, He's like, pretty girl. <laughs> yeah, you know, pretty often I can ship like the best friends kind of thing. Like, yeah, I could see you two getting together. No, Ezra please don't. Ari, I was like, no, Ari, you can do so much better. Please don't. Uh, I thought Ari <laughs> and Jude would right? be an adorable couple. And I'm like, I'm yes. like, would you like to get together? Like you're working at the shop together. I'm like, screw Maya, screw Ezra. Right. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Jude. Look at Ari. And she's supposed yeah. to be really pretty and fun and like go for it, dude. Right? Yep. I totally ship Jude and Ari. Me too. Do you guys ship Quint and Prudence? Do you think they're a good match? Or were you just like, no, you know what? This is like a fun romance, but I don't think they're getting married. I ship Quentin Prue because I am an enemies to lover stand. <laughs> I was like, uh, this is Abby's favorite genre. <laughs> Please hold. This is enemies to lovers is one of those things that always gets me. So I totally I ship them because like my husband and I are sort of enemies to lovers. Like when we first met, he thought I talked too much and I thought he was really arrogant and full of himself. All of those things are still true by the way, but <laughs> I got to know him and he got to know me and we became friends. We were friends for like five years before we started dating. So I kind of like it because I'm like, I mean, I met my husband when I was 16. So I, and we couldn't stand each other, <laughs> but the more you get to know and a person, like, those kind of things real. fall away. Definitely. No. Well, then I mean, I, I'm, the fact that you met when you were 16, it's not surprising that he as a teenage boy thought you as a teenage girl talked too much and you as a teenage girl thought he is a right? teenage boy. <laughs> and I mean, himself. he's still pretty arrogant and I'm, I have a podcast, so I have an excuse to talk as much as I want, but there's just those surface level things when you don't really know a person and you see those surface level things that kind of annoy you. And I think that's why people like enemies to lovers is there's something very like satisfying about seeing a person at their absolute worst and still being able to love them. Yes. No, I'm 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 a Quentin Prue fan. I was like, "Ooh, you guys are so cute." It's I mean, because it's like they bring out the best in each other and they soften each other's flaws. And I was like, oh, "And they I challenge each other." It's okay. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like how Quint's like not afraid to call Prue out, and he's like, "Uh, you need to calm down for yeah. a second." He's just got Taylor Swift on a loop. You need to calm down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think he does. I think he's a, a secret. Um, I don't think Pru- I don't think Quint would be secret about it. I think he would like love shake it off and stuff. All right, so we should probably talk about favorite scenes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, I like. Okay. I was gonna drive us right there, but you took us there first. I, I try. <laughs> I mean, I love the like snow the snowstorm. Right, so. <laughs> I love the thunderstorm scene. <laughs> I think it's like just magical and adorable and cute. And so cheesy, but in the best possible way. <laughs> yes, I loved that scene. I I was just grinning from ear to ear the entire time. Like, oh, I was like, yay, kisses! Um, <laughs> well, see, I like that they started out seeing the movie Jaws, and I'm like, and how she dug her nails into his arm, and I'm like, oh, you like him. He's your comfort. He's keeping you safe from the big bad shark. <laughs> and then, and then as it progressed to them getting stuck in the shelter, I'm like, oh, you're going to kiss, aren't you? You're going to kiss. I can tell. Where are those kisses? Hurry up. <laughs> yeah. No, that was definitely the highlight of the book to me is the night, the, the storm shelter night. Mm-hmm. I also love like Shauna getting yeah. her come up in. So I'm like, yes, tell that girl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And the fact that Morgan, like, got to play a hand in it, I was like, okay, see, Morgan's not horrible. No, no, see, Morgan, like, I'm like, fine, you are redeemed. You're not or as giant of a pain in the butt as I, again, she's, you know, you know how self-righteous right. teenagers get, so. I liked that Morgan was allowed to show that other side of herself. Like, yes, I can be rational and think this through and. Yeah, I agree. Kind of thing. And she was braver than anybody else, Absolutely. like, walking right up into the record store, like, what's up, Prue? Want to talk? Like, <laughs> she, was, she was, like, yeah. cashing outside. Like, <laughs> nobody else was doing that. They were just like, you stole money. Time to go. Yeah. I also love that Prudence lost her powers in the big finale. Like, because that's what I was really wondering through the story. I'm like, is she going to keep these powers? The rest I'm not of sure life? she deserved like, the powers. I don't. Maybe. <laughs> maybe it was like the universe's yeah. way of trying to teach her a couple of life lessons really quickly in one summer. <laughs> I'm not sure she should have those powers forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, like I was really worried about her keeping those powers after the book. I was like, because I was like, um, I was like, prudent as a mom with the power of instant karma. No thanks. (laughs) Oh no, no, like that's just too scary. (laughs) No, no, bad idea. Um, I also really love. Yeah, that that was adorable. Oh yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. I was so I was getting real worried. I'm like, people better freaking show up because I know how it is to be there at a big nonprofit event and no one shows up. I'm like, where the crap are those people? And then they all came, and I was like, okay, good. I was like having a having a moment of like true, like yeah, true I agree. Right I was like in my head, like where is everybody? Start texting, start posting social media, like call every friend you've ever had in your like, whole up, life, y'all. like <laughs> get them to come. Um, but speaking of beaches, you know what I really, really love? The snorkeling Aww. scene was so good. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact, I love how body yes. conscious she was. Because I'm like, oh, I'm like, there. every time I put a I'm swimsuit like, on. That's true life. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, do I have to take off this dress? And I'm like, no, no you got to take off the dress. <laughs> like, if you're going to get in that water, let's go. And just that that moment of awe when she saw the sea turtle, and she's just like, it's my sea turtle. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Look, you actually do like animals. Get out of your own head. <laughs> that was a, such a good, I agree. such a well-written scene. And then I am so fond of Prue and Lennon's first novel session in his pen. And I was just like, where she's like, I'm going to break the rule. I'm going in. She's and, like, I'm coming. And I was like, I'm like, please don't bite I'm like, please don't bite her. And that was my first thought. I'm like, that's a wild animal. You're kind of an idiot. But then he was all sorts of cute. There's something like, really okay, appealing fine. about wild animals, though. Like um, the shelter I used to volunteer at, we ended up with 13 baby raccoons that got trapped in an illegal hunter's trap. And um, we kind of nursed them back to health and then had to release them. And I fell in love with one of them that we named, we named him Gizmet. And raccoons have real hands, you guys, with, like, little tiny fingers. Oh, my God, they're so cute. But, like, mm-hmm. they flat out told us, they were like, these things are going back out. Do not name them. Do not get attached. And I swear they were all staring at me like, don't name them. Don't get attached. You're not keeping any of these. They're going back in two days. And I was devastated because I loved these little raccoons so much. She's like, I'm taking them all home. Oh, I so wanted to. That's like the hardest part about volunteering is like, I want the animals. Like we had a a dog named Nova who got along really well with my oldest dog. He would come and help me sometimes at the shelter. He would like help um, comfort some of the new dogs that were scared. And I was in love with him. There was a puppy named Bridger who was five months old that got left there in the middle of the night. And my husband was obsessed with this five month old puppy. Like that's the hardest part about volunteering is it's like, I'm going to, I just want to take everybody home. They're all mine now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I can't, that's why I can't foster because I'll just return to the biggest foster. Ever <laughs> and I'll keep everything. I'm like, yes, I'll become a foster parent. Okay. I have 20 dogs now. Bye. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Yes, all those feelings everything. and that's where I'm like see Prudence you're an animal person like because when she in the beginning when she was like I'm not really an animal person I was like mm, I don't think I trust you anymore and now I'm like see that's why I didn't <laughs> trust you because you have to like everybody loves animals you just have to be there <laughs> <laughs> all right so what are our final thoughts what are our final ratings I was like, Bethany, if you rated this book on a scale of five stars, five being the best, one being the worst, I mean, how many five, stars right? would you give this book? <laughs> I was like, five. <laughs> no, um, definitely five out of five, but I'm also like a very high rater. Like, if I enjoyed a book, it's a five. You know, if I get to the end of a book and I'm satisfied that <laughs> yep. I spent 27 hours reading that book, it's a five. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I gave this one fives as well, a five as well. I just... I love this ride. It was such a refreshing YA novel because there was a genuine focus on something outside of the romance and the actual plot building. And it wasn't just batting eyelashes at each other the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of like, so I read a book called beach read. It was definitely the adult version of like this, where it was like, let's I'm all that sexual tension. I was like, God, I hate that. This, I love you. I love, this is why I love young adult because it's like awkward turtle. Do I, do, does he like me? Don't they like me versus I want them? You know what I mean? Yeah. So much better. 
I mean, I love the part where she was I'm all about self-conscious because I'm just like, me too. But because <laughs> mm-hmm. like anytime a character is honest about um, those insecurities, I'm like, yes, I'm not alone. I'm a little bit more harsh in my in my writing. So this was not a full five out of five. A five out of five is Cinder. Like that's the epitome of my Marissa Meyer books is the Lunar Chronicles. And it is and it's not quite Lunar Chronicles for me. So it's like four and a half stars out of five. It was a really nice magical realism. I highly enjoyed that. It wasn't fantasy. It wasn't sci-fi. So it wasn't like my number one genre. But I do love these kind of slice of life books. I like the the weird instant karma thing going on. Um, I loved all the focus on the nonprofits. Just young romance is always so sweet to read. And just the fast pace. Prue was a little extra. She needed to calm down. Got it. But that's how they all, all teenagers are. Like, even my Girl Scouts, who are all 16, they're all like Prue, which is obnoxious. And, of course, I did enjoy the enemy-to-lover trope that Abby loves so much. I knew you loved this book. <laughs> that's why I made you read it. And I and lastly, I would say I also loved all the Beatles references because I yes. grew up adoring the Beatles. Like, sixth grade, they were my favorite band. Like, Yellow Submarine, when they mentioned... um the song Maxwell song. Like I'm like all the Beatles stuff. I was like, yes. And I love that the theme of the gala was a freaking Beatles theme. Also, I'm sorry, but pulling off a gala in one summer and having that good of a turnout was unrealistic, but I'll take it because it's supposed to prove like how crazy. So that's what prudence is, right? (laughs) I completely (laughs) forgot to mention, which Marissa was unaware of because I mentioned it to her too. And she was like, what? That's awesome. The yellow shirt. I have about six of them, all from different shelters. It's always a really ugly yellow shirt as your volunteer shirt. It is the cheapest color you will ever get. Um, And so, like, I have, like, six or seven different ones. Like, every shelter I've ever volunteered at, it's an ugly yellow shirt. And so, when I talked to her about it, I was like, was that intentional? She's like, no, I just thought it would be funny if, like, Prudence was grumpy about the color of her shirt. I was like, I mean, I've got proof, like... I'm like, I'll send you a picture with all my t-shirts. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us, everyone. And we hope to see you again. Well, we, <laughs> we will see you again next week. We will be back. Good discussion. A good 90-minute discussion about books. Absolutely. It's always a way to start your weekend. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Bye. We will talk to you next week. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating on the app you use or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps! For a list of the books we talked about today, visit our community page on Facebook at The Book Life Podcast and search under Files. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the same name. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by Katie Benoit from her album Dominique. You can find Katie on Instagram at K, the number 8, T, B E N O I T, and on Spotify under her name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.